Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Joining us today is Matthew J. Drago, MD, MBE, a pediatric resident at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Dr. Drago is with us today to discuss his article, Are Family Characteristics Associated with Attendance at Family-Centered Rounds in the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit? published in the February 2013 Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Drago. Thank you for having me. Matt, would you talk about family-centered rounds and give us some background? Family-centered rounds have become increasingly desirable and recognized as an important part of patient care, uh, and you've been doing them a long time at um, CHOP. So uh, give us some background about your study. Um. Well, yes. Uh, again, thanks for thanks for having me on uh, today. And uh, family-centered rounds are, you know, they're an interdisciplinary bedside uh, rounds, commonly held at the bedside, um, in which the the family and patient really get the opportunity to be involved in uh, the evaluation of their medical care and also coming up with the the management plan. Um, and uh, this this study for me kind of was um, sprung out of um, the end of my master's in bioethics. Actually, when I was a, a medical student, I started kind of like a capstone project um, through my med- medical ethics uh, degree that kind of interaction between families and, and providers was something of interest to me. And so um, I went to uh, Wynn Morrison at uh, Jones Hospital, who had um, done a little bit of research uh, already with Paul Aronson there. Um, on family-centered rounds in the intensive care units and kind of ask, you know, what else uh, do you guys have in terms of the data and other questions that haven't been answered yet. And so that's that's kind of how we got started on, on this project. So how did you do your study? For our study, we gathered a, a convenient sample of uh, work rounds. Um, we Those rounds were observed um, two days uh, out of a week um, during the most during the morning hours, uh, excluding weekends, and uh, it was done by a non-trained uh, or sorry a trained um, non-medical uh, observer um, who would uh, accompany the medical team on rounds um, and had a checklist of things that they would observe. Um, the, length the state of the patient that was being rounded on, how uh, long um, the rounds were going for individual patients in, uh, in total, um, as well as some other factors, including whether families were present or not, whether introductions were done, uh, just to name a few. Um, in addition, then, the uh, observer would return to patient bedsides after rounds were over, so the late morning and into the uh, afternoon hours uh, to approach uh, any families that were present to ask them if they'd be interested in taking a questionnaire. Um, the questionnaire um, basically asks questions to, to have a preference for being on rounds. Uh, do you um, like to hear uh, bad news on rounds? Do you prefer one person come back and go over uh, a summary of what happened on rounds with you afterwards? Uh, this is kind of an example. And uh, they would kind of give a response based on a Likert scale, whether they agreed or disagreed uh, based on that. So the parents who who answered the questionnaire um, may or may not have been present at the time of rounds in the morning. Is that correct? Correct, and um, that was one of the questions that that we would ask. And we found that you know eighty six percent of our respondents actually had been present uh, on rounds uh, that day, um, and fourteen uh, percent had not been. Do you have information about how many parents were in the unit but chose not to participate in rounds? 
we don't. We did not uh, seek out families, um, you know, whether by telephone call um, or at other times um, to kind of ask them uh, if they were not on rounds, um, why were you not on rounds and, and where were you at the time. So in in your unit, um, it sounds like most of the parents who are who are present with their child at the time that you're making rounds join you on rounds. Is that correct? Uh, yes, a little over fifty uh, percent actually um, uh, of families uh, will join us uh, for rounds. What did you find when you did your study? Um, so what we were able to find was that. Um, things like race, uh, education level, the age of the family member, or the, and also the age of the child, uh, whether the admission was ex- expected or um, the patient had been um, previously admitted to the ICU, um, was not associated um, with uh, whether or not the family uh, would, a- would attend rounds, um, which we thought we took as a, a positive uh, standpoint in that these these factors uh, didn't uh, negatively influence um, uh, whether uh, families. Um, we're attending rounds and showing that uh, we're kind of offering uh, rounds to a, a wide array of uh, family members uh, and population. We did find that there was a preference uh, on the questionnaire. The only question actually that correlated with a higher likelihood you would attend rounds was that you had a preference for liking to attend family-centered rounds, um, which uh, we took uh, you know as a good thing that if you like to to be on rounds and wanted to be that uh, you were able to be to be present. Uh, it's interesting that um, some people might have said they like to be on rounds but couldn't be there, and um, I, certainly that's something that we see in our ICU. Is you know not every parent is there all the time, and uh, the ones that are are invited to join us, but they don't always join us. So that would be an interesting. Um, population to look at uh, if you had a chance in future. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I think uh, our next steps, you know, certainly at, at looking at that, uh, and we also found it was interesting that those families uh, who even were not present around still felt that being present would have improved the care of their child. Um, and so certainly it's, there are some other barriers potentially, you know, at play, whether it be um, child care at home, work restrictions, or just you know intimidation of, of being in the in the hospital environment with the with a big team that could be impacting why they're not able for rounds and not so much a uh, you know the factors of knowing that it's important or, or wanting to be uh, to be there. Yeah, we we make rounds at seven in my ICU, and some of the parents would like to be on rounds, but they don't want to wake up at seven. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or if they are awake, they feel they, feel they, they can't quite uh, fully process yet what's, what's going on because it certainly um, can, can be a lot of information very quickly, you know, especially so early in the morning. True. Um, I thought it was interesting that um, the families who attended rounds in your study indicated they wanted to receive bad news during rounds. Can you talk about that? Yeah, we thought that was interesting as well. You know, go, going along with kind of a you know a preference for um, wanting to be uh, present on rounds, you know, it fits a little bit uh, to that. Um, in that, if you're if you're comfortable with 
being on rounds and, and being part of that communication and discussion to then feel that, you know, safe enough to, to say that you prefer to hear bad news uh, in that setting as well. And I think it gets to um, kind of the underlying um, reason for why we have family-centered rounds is to really make families feel uh, empowered um, to be involved in the care of um, their children um, and, and also to, to feel like they are communicated with um, and are supported um, through um, both, you know, the good outcomes and also the bad outcomes. And so I think that question really kind of gets at while family-centered rounds and what it has developed too has uh, taken great strides to empower families, um, it's still not 100%. And we still need, uh, as we've been talking about, to um, look further at what families were missing, why we're missing them, and and what are the what are the barriers so that they they too can feel comfortable uh, communicating um, with with the team in whatever way is best for them, and therefore hearing the information in the best way uh, for them. So the um, because families and rounds have been shown in prior studies to improve uh, family satisfaction uh, and communication uh, between the team, and so I think that um, coming to each family at, as they need um, will improve their their satisfaction overall. Certainly that isn't the model for how we teach our trainees to deliver bad news, um, but I I guess there are degrees of bad news that can be delivered. That's right. That's right. And I think that uh, certainly um, you know, one question that, that comes out of you know, Family Shattered Rounds is, is delivering sensitive uh, information, you know, bad news and um, uh, you know, also other information that, that families might want to, to keep private. And that's, that's certainly something we, we struggle with in our family center grounds as, as well. And uh, I think it just goes to uh, the importance of you know, having an upfront conversation with families um, when they're admitted in terms of um, what their preferences might be um, and kind of having a little bit of a, of a sense of where information lies on that spectrum of you know, really bad to um, you know, bad information that the family would appreciate hearing, you know, right up front uh, on rounds. Um, and then also it, we make it a practice, that, you know, in our, in our rounds that if there is a question, you know, as a trainee about how I should deliver the information, we'll often stop a little bit before the room and kind of powwow as, as a team to think about how we're going to approach it, um, whether it is going to be something appropriate for in your morning rounds with a big group or whether or not it'd be, it'd be best, um, you know, uh, setting up the time later in the day to come back uh, or, you know, go to a private conference room and, and talk. I was going to ask you how you handle sensitive information that you may not want to discuss in front of the parent. And I guess to some degree you just answered that. Have a, <laughs> have a separate powwow either before or after you make rounds on the patient. Yes. Uh, you, you know, I think that... Um, in kind of reading through about family center rounds before we did the study, that was something um, that that was looked at. That the sometimes the the sensitive and uh, you know complex um, issues trainees would be worried about that it didn't fully get discussed then um, in the family center rounding style as opposed to the private conference room rounds. But I think that's one way we've been able to kind of overcome that and um, you know stopping and you know, getting a little bit more comfortable with the information ourselves before, you know, approaching the family and having a game plan. Uh, and then also, you know, always uh, 
you know, schedule time later on in the day to come back when the regular rounds are over, mm-hmm. um, you know, to sit privately and talk about those things. Where do you hold your family center rounds? For the most part, they're either held um, in the hallway right at the entryway uh, to the patient's room um, so that the you know, family members, if they want to you know, stay at the bedside, but can hear what's going on in of rounds or come to the, come to the door, uh, can listen in. It also allows for now that rounds are so multidisciplinary in terms of you know, pharmacists, social workers, respiratory therapists, nursing, uh, attendings, and trainees, uh, it, can be a, it can be a big group. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we do like to go to the bedside um, whenever we can. Um, and... Uh, um, to kind of go into the patient room and, and to see the patient, uh, whether or not it's a single room or a double room, um, we will we will do that as well. How do you maintain confidentiality if you're having bedside rounds in a double room? So you know, privacy obviously is a um, you know a concern and something we want to uphold uh, for our patients. Um, and um, we found actually that. Uh, uh, in prior studies that, that have, have looked at this, um, uh, you know, they've they found um, while initially uh, kind of right as you're you're admitting getting a, a hold of what rounds mean, there's um, more privacy concerns than kind of later as as you understand uh, the practice of things. But um, uh, for the most part, we don't. Uh, again, as long as we're being sensitive about the conversation that we're having and you know, information uh, that's being conveyed um, and decide that before you go into the room. Uh, we haven't run into um, um, privacy concerns in the double room. I think that families understand that, um, you know, you're within a hospital, everyone in the hospital, um, certainly from a staff standpoint, um, you know, knows to protect uh, patient information and you know, in terms of what they're hearing. And um, and I think families, too, kind of feel a sense of um, going through going through something shared, um, uh, you know, shared experience of, of being hospitalized. And so um, that's kind of uh, the, the mindset I think we try to take with it in terms of going into the, into the double rooms um, and having those conversations. And, again, just being sensitive to um, – allowing the the family the opportunity to, to go somewhere more private afterwards if, if they want that option. Most of your um, participating families were, family members were mothers or fathers. Um, did the parents give consent to include other family members um, in the rounds and so forth um, if they weren't going to be there, you know, given the concerns mm-hmm. about HIPAA and so forth? Sure. Um, so as, as you mentioned, most of the time, uh, it's either a mother, a father, or a combination of a, of a parent and a, a grandparent. Um, and so there was only a, a rare occurrence of when there was a, a non-parent present for um, the round. Um, when families do come in, um, they are approached um, in terms of the assigning for consent for hospitalization, and they will identify um, you know other other family members uh, in terms of emergency contacts and things. We don't have a specific um, consent form in terms of rounds and and who um, the family would like to participate uh, on rounds. Um, I th- we have a conversation whenever we go to the bedside to to ask if there's someone present uh, with the patient, you know who they are and how involved they are in, in, in the family's care, uh, and can often um, you know 
less less determined if they've you know, been around and working with the family, or uh, if they feel the family would, would like like an update on something. Or uh, oftentimes we give them the opportunity to to ask us, um, you know, if they had, if any information had been passed along to them that they would like to they would like to share with the, share with the team. Um, but we don't have any um, specific consent in terms of family centered grounds. Um, does your study give us insight on how we might improve the participation of family members, or do you have thoughts on how we might um, do better with having family members involved in family-centered rounds? Yeah, yeah I think um, you know, one thing I, I took out of the study and looking at it um, in terms of next steps to include uh, more family members uh, in family-centered rounds, uh, again, is to be, is to be sensitive uh, time constraints, uh, as, as you said, starting rounds early in the morning. Uh, some family members are going to be uh, able to be there, um, and to uh, have a conversation in terms of what those barriers uh, might be, um, and you know, to not kind of uh, simply assume that the, the family you know may not be interested, or um, uh, you know that uh, there isn't a good social dynamic. And so I think that. Um, kind of putting assumptions aside and, and trying to get to the the root uh, of the issues with a particular family uh, will allow you to um, kind of extend family-centered rent kind of beyond the traditional uh, 7 to 11, as however long it may be, you have the bedside to extend it to then, you know, phone calls to the family afterwards or um you know, kind of afternoon, rounding back to the room when the, when the family member arrives after work. Um, and I think those are going to kind of be the next step to, to try to improve uh, participation. Um, there has been concern, and I know there have been papers looking at some of these issues, that, that family-centered rounds might uh, make rounds longer or might interfere with uh, resident education. Um, as somebody on the Receiving end of that education, <laughs> do you have thoughts about that? Um, so, you know, I think that um, one of the things that uh, wh- why I think that is often said, and I can you know speak directly from experience, having gone through it myself, in which there are a few sp- spaces in our hospital in which we do um, conference style rounds as opposed to family centered rounds, and certainly there um, is a little bit more ease, I think. Um, when presenting in a conference-style rounds um, without the family present in terms of feeling that you can say things, uh, make mistakes, and it's it's a more, um, uh, it feels at times like a more protected um, learning environment. Um, but I think that the, the challenge of family-centered rounds is an important one in terms of your training and your comfort level because, uh, you know, after your training is, is done and, you know, you are yeah, an attending or a, a fellow and have to do more direct um, uh, interaction with, with families, um, you know, it's important to know how to have the difficult conversations and how to, how to ease your anxiety about um, presenting uh, information and even information that you're, you don't know necessarily the significance of. Um, and so I think it's a very important educational uh, component. And so while um, some trainees may find that it's a, a hindrance to, to education through the fact that we, um, you know, the family may have questions and things that will add to what's being done during rounds. I think that the experience in itself is an important educational uh, component um, to your training. Um, and I also find that studies looking at, at the time um, that it takes for rounds, while the rounds may be uh, longer, um, 
it may improve communication enough where um, other uh, things that need to be done over the course of the day um, get done faster. Uh, discharges can happen sooner, and that can free up time later on in the day um, you know, to return to didactics and, and other ed- educational uh, opportunities. So um, certainly with the, with the work hour restrictions and, um, you know, the ever-changing uh, pace of medical care, uh, I think there's always a, a feeling that education is being squeezed out, so to speak, but uh, that's why it just takes a, a lot of commitment to, to uh, ask for the educational opportunities whenever you can and to, you know, to make sure you revisit them whenever the time allows. I think you've hit those points very (laughs) appropriately. Do you have any final comments you'd like to make? Um, Well, again, I'd thank the opportunity to uh, come and talk about Family Center Grounds. I think that, you know, this paper was a um, great opportunity to to look into um, that interaction between uh, families and providers that's so uh, necessary for um, patient care and also for, you know, um, families' satisfaction in terms of how their, their children are cared for. And um, I think that hopefully this, this paper um, gave a little insight uh, into um, those interactions and it also um, raised a lot of good questions in terms of what the next step should be in terms of um, reaching more family members, identifying what barriers may be, um, and also uh, I think also the need to looking into um, how language barriers and cultural barriers as well uh, play into family center routing, which is not something we were able to do um, with our study, but certainly it would be uh, it's something of interest uh, kind of going forward. Thanks very much, Matt. All right. Thank you for having me. We have been talking with Dr. Matthew J. Drago from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to discuss the article, Are Family Characteristics Associated with Attendance at Family-Centered Rounds in the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in February 2013. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. You can now find us on Stitcher and Beyond Pod, as well as on iTunes. For the iCriticalCare podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. If you are unable to attend one of SCCM's live courses, you can view the educational sessions on your own time and at your own pace through SCCM On Demand. Events such as SCCM's world-renowned board review courses and even Congress are available on demand. For more information or to order an on-demand course, visit www.sccm.org store or ask to speak with a customer service representative. Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM, serves as an associate editor for the iCritical Care Podcasts. Dr. Parker is Professor of Pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York and is the Director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University Medical Center. A former President of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Parker is involved in quality improvement and standardization of care in the pediatric ICU, as well as resident education. Her clinical interests include severe sepsis and septic shock in children. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members.